And so this is the biggest challenge with online business. It quote unquote seems like everyone else is having success, but we don't know how many times the person we're comparing ourselves to has failed, nor do we know how much work has put put into the knowledge and the skills they have today. Welcome to F the Hustle. I'm your host, Kim Doyle. You want a life that is meaningful and exciting. In this podcast, we're going to talk about launching and growing an online business that fits your lifestyle. F the Hustle is all about doing good work, building real relationships, and most importantly, creating a business that supports how you want to live your life. You don't have to sacrifice the quality of your life today to create something that sets your soul on fire. And yes, that includes making a lot of money. So we'll be talking about selling, charging what you're worth, and how earning more means helping more people. My goal is to help you find freedom and create a business on your terms. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of F the Hustle with Kim Doyle. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, and woo, what a a few days. Today's episode, we're going to talk about frustration, and I'm recording this on the back end of uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, so I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a little quick little update. It's actually Cyber Monday. And so I had a couple promotions planned, um, one for my brand, and then we were going to do one for the planner. And sometimes life throws you for a curveball. Um, in the case with the planner, we've got, we're pivoting to sort of a, you know, planning and end of the year. And Jody has a lot going on personally. And, you know, so it it just it worked out. You get to a point where you just cannot. I I don't know. <laughs> the pushing is not worth it for sales, and it's a great weekend to make sales. I have made some purchases. I'll probably share with you. Um, I've made some purchases this weekend, and um, but it's just one weekend. Just remember that. All right. So there's that, and for me, it was the first holiday truly in my life where I've not been with family or um, just with family in the, or even in the States. And it hit me a little extra hard this year, mainly because uh, Thanksgiving, uh, my mom's birthday falls on Thanksgiving. And so a lot of you guys know she passed away about two and a half years ago. So this was her third birthday, not here. And I think just being away from family as imperfect as we all are, meaning family is just family, right? And it, it's a, that's not good, better, and different, but my family's gone through a lot since my mom passed away. And it's just, it's part of life. And, and I'm really digging into understanding that at this point, but you know, it's, it's been a little bit surreal, honestly, being down here during this time of year. I'm so used to seasons changing, which I know a lot of people think in California, it doesn't. In Northern California, it does. So you get a feel for the change of the seasons. You get a feel for fall and Christmas rolling in. And even though the heat tends to stay longer than I always liked. Um, And so it's really made me look at, huh, well, maybe this isn't the place for me all year long. Would I love a place in Costa Rica? 100%. So I'll talk more about that journey in another episode because I'm kind of playing around with where might be my next destination and know this. (laughs) I mean, all of this is sort of, you know, off script, irrelevant to today's episode, but 
It's also, I don't know if I would say that actually. I think that there's a lot of relevance in sharing and understanding, you know, what you're going through because you're, you tend to not be the only one going through it. Right. And so if this makes someone else go, oh gosh, I'm glad I'm not the only one who felt that or feels that, then, then that's great. Again, Costa Rica is amazing. I've got some beautiful, amazing, wonderful friends. One of my friends um, who's been down here like 30 years, she hosted like a Friendsgiving dinner Saturday. And it was essentially just for me um, because the other friends that were there were Canadians. And another friend was, um, she's been down here like 16 years and is totally used to this. So, and she's Canadian, my friend who hosted this dinner. So, you know, when you attract people like that into your life, there's a lot to be thankful for. So that being said, I also got to do my first border run yesterday. So if you don't understand this, it's, um, or know this, understand wasn't probably the right word there. But so Costa Rica just has a tourist visa. Basically, they have passed the digital nomad visa, which if you apply for, you can stay in the country for a year. I, my first border run technically would have been in August, but I flew back to California. So that took care of that. You have to leave the country every 90 days. So what I did is I did a border run to Nicaragua and I'm glad I did it with, I went through a shuttle company. Like there's a lot of companies that do these little, you know, you get a shuttle bus, they take you up there, take care of it. Well, (laughs) the funny thing though, is like the guy literally drove us. There was probably, I don't know, eight or nine total on the bus. I think one or two people had already done it. So they drive you up there and he parks. We There's like probably six or seven kind of checkpoints, for lack of a better word. So he helps you with the first checkpoint. And then he's like, okay, go. And you're like, where do I go? What do I do? <laughs> and so everybody, with the exception of these two people who did it and took off, we're all, um, where do we go? <laughs> so then we go over, you have to go through, you, you go into the immigration office at, uh, in Costa Rica and you had to show that you had a negative COVID test. You bring your passport. So then it's like, but nobody tells you now go here. So <laughs> you figure that out. So then you go around and you walk over. Um, and there's a, like I said, there's a couple little checkpoints where they, they again, look at your passport and they look at your negative COVID test. And I also, Costa Rica has this thing where you do a health pass where you have to upload a vac- either a vaccine card or you upload um, travel insurance, health insurance. And so, but that wasn't until we came back at, into Costa Rica. <laughs> so it's like, then you walk over, then you go to another place. You literally go to the Nicaragua, Nicaraguan border. Somebody checks your health pass again and you get a little receipts and you go inside and you pay. It was like, I don't know, $1 here, $2 here. Three, it was a total of like $18. So then they stamp your passport. They take a photo of you. You walk through, you walk around the building and then you walk back to Costa Rica. And then you go back through immigration at Costa Rica where you then finally show your health pass. And then I had to show that I had a flight out of Costa Rica, um, which you guys, I missed it by like barely three weeks. Um, because my flight to California for Christmas is December 17th. And I was like, Oh, well, anyways, here's the kicker though. I'm like, okay, if the next time I do a border run, isn't like a flight somewhere, which I think it might be in March, but 
I will do this myself. There was no need <laughs> to pay. I mean, I would pay for gas, but you know, being in the comfort of your own car and and not having to wait for other people. So I probably could have knocked an hour off total. I met the shuttle at 720 and I was back to my car by 120. So yeah, you know, got to chit chat, but it was, that was my Sunday, essentially. My whole point in sharing the border run, it's just that it was, it was just a tough kind of long four days, you know, from the day before Thanksgiving, you know, a lot of people kind of start checking out, shutting down and that was nice. And and then Thanksgiving was just odd. It was just sort of a weird, quiet day. Um, I chatted with my family and my kids and stuff. And then, but I just, oh man, the grief around my mom snuck up really intense on that day. And that's all right. Cause I know that it's a process and you know, you get those out and fast forward to today and I feel like a million bucks. I slept like nine hours last night. So here we go. All of that to tell you, yeah, we're going to talk about frustration today. And, you know, frustration is a funny word. It means a lot of different things to different people, even though it pretty much has one definition. I'm going to share the definition that my therapist has shared with me. And it, it feels like it's having a, it's like shining a light on it. It was, it makes so much sense to me. So her definition is that frustration is simply attempting to control something over which we have no control. For the sake of this episode, we're going to focus strictly on what frustration can look and feel like in your business. I'm also going to give you three ways you can take your frustration to dig a little deeper and get better at what you do. And this episode was truly inspired by one of my coaching clients. I adore her. She's phenomenal. And I'm so excited about what she's creating. And... This came out of a very frustrated moment for her. She messaged me about her Black Friday Cyber Monday offer, which she had been working on extremely hard. And yeah, I mean, she's doing the work. I, you know, we we map stuff out. She goes, she does the work. She writes it. We edit it together. I mean, she's literally doing everything she can do. And the campaign was set out to go over four days: Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday of the holiday weekend. And it kicked off with a little, her poor husband um, is learning ConvertKit and managing that for her and he triggered it a day early. So it started on Thanksgiving, which st- probably was the precipice to the frustration. It got all cleaned up. She's got someone working on her website and helping with the back end of that stuff. It got cleaned up, re-triggered to go out Friday and Saturday, Sunday, Monday, like I said. Then after day two, she sent me a message that she was having an insecurity attack. And even though she knew the people on her list weren't the right people, she was really frustrated. And the day prior, she was excited. Even though no one bought it, she knew she was on the right path. So I want to give you a little context, though, about where she was when we started working together. And I'm not going to obviously share her niche market or her name, but you're going to have plenty to understand. So when we started working together, she knew she wanted to pivot her market. She has a part of her business that um, works with local clients And she's looking at growing more of an online brand and being able to serve a very specific market. And so what she's moving towards is similar work, but the message and the audience need to be changed. So in addition to some website changes, we started working on a new email opt-in offer. And it's a long sequence based on the Lesson Bridge pitch survey. It's a strategy uh, created by Brendan Dunn. It's nine emails with a very specific purpose, followed by an offer to purchase, followed by a survey to those who didn't purchase. 
All right. So she has done all of that. In total, I want to say it's 15 emails. Then we worked on the Black Friday Cyber Monday offer. More emails, product images, sales page setup, etc. So you get it, right? Like this is a lot to be doing. In the meantime, someone else is helping just sort of um, update the website. It was great, but making sure that the message and uh, everything is fluid and cohesive and it's a natural progression for visitors. Here's the thing. She's really just getting started. Even though she's been in business for a long time, this new direction is kind of ground zero. And in a way, she's got a leg up on people who are ground zero, new to this entirely, because there's a lot of terminology and understanding and learning that has to happen just to wrap your head around what it looks like to create, grow, and scale an online business. And you find what works for you and what doesn't work for you through doing it, right? And where she was compared to where she is today, you guys, it's like night and day. We've been working together three, four months, I think. And she has been working extremely hard to build a solid foundation for her business. I want to say her email list is just shy of 500 people. So, you know, it's kind of like I, I liken this to what happens when we are working out and eating healthy, or maybe you're starting that, right? And you're trying to lose weight. So you know your body's feeling better, your energy is better, your sleep is better. Maybe you've lost a few pounds. Then you step on the scale a couple of months in and the number hasn't moved. Or maybe even the inches aren't starting to show yet. So here's the thing. Does that mean that the two months prior that you've been doing that and with everything you've accomplished isn't worth anything? Absolutely not. Here's the thing, you are becoming the person who has new habits and you're establishing a level of trust within yourself that no scale can take away and nor does it determine your worth and value. And so this is the biggest challenge with online business. It quote unquote seems like everyone else is having success, but we don't know how many times the person we're comparing ourselves to has failed, nor do we know how much work has put put into the knowledge and the skills they have today. Here's an example. So circling back to the Black Friday, Cyber Monday purchases, I made a couple and I might be making a final. I'm debating. I'm probably going to upgrade my ConvertKit account to the annual Creator Pro version. I'm paying for Sparkloop, which is a referral program. It's in, It's got a native integration now with ConvertKit. And so I'm looking at how can I, I'll save, I don't know, like 220 bucks for the year. So probably we'll do that. But so the first thing I signed up for, actually, before I say that, outside of if I do this with um, ConvertKit, the the products I purchased all have to do with writing, right? And of course, that is because, one, I thoroughly enjoy writing and I want to get better at it. So it becomes a primary source for traffic, content, and sales. Everything I do online stems from, starts with writing and whether like I'm talking about content, right? Or a sales page. And, and I'll talk to you about uh, an offer that I put out that I only did one email. I had no sales and I'm like, Kim, there's no copy on that page, <laughs> right? So it's, it's not compelling. And I know that, I know that. And, and I'm totally fine with that. So it's like, all right, back to the drawing board for this. But anyway, um, So the first thing that I signed up for is the Ship 30 for 30 training, which starts in January 22. 
22. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's I'm looking at it. It's 2022, but 22 is also correct. Anyway, the ship 30 for 30 is also, so not only just to have the accountability piece, but it's going to help me create frameworks and practice writing on other platforms. So my, like writing on my site and writing emails comes pretty easy to me now. And so this is going to help me write on other platforms. And I'm going to do a whole episode probably on what that is. One is specifically Twitter. And then I've got newsletter platforms. And probably those, those that's it for now. But I, I know I'll be able to apply this to other social platforms if I want to test that, right? I can't, I know that I can't take on more than that at this point. But anyway, the whole point is to create better habits. And do I want an end goal? Of course. And I'm sure that the ship 30 for 30, there's going to be real structure in that. And that is by a Dickie Bush, Nicholas Cole. And I don't remember if it's just the two of them or not, but I also subscribe to, uh, I don't know if Dickie is part of this either. Nicholas Cole has a category of pirates on Substack paid newsletter that I subscribe to. So you see, everything I'm doing is really focusing on digging deeper with writing so that the writing resonates, converts, um, drives traffic and sales. It all does. And I'm super grateful that I love it. And let me tell you this, I did not always love it. I just hands down and it's, it was, I thought I was fine. I talked about this previously and um, in the never too late start email marketing. Man, it makes the biggest difference in your business. So the other product that I signed up for, drum roll please, actually Coffee Sip, was Copy School uh, by Copy Hackers. I have, this is Joanna Weeb and she's got a huge team, but I have followed them for a while, but I hadn't purchased anything. And the truth is like, I don't have any desire to become a copywriter for hire or write copy for other people. I definitely help my coaching clients and my students with their copy. I do reviews. I do email reviews, headlines, sales pages, all of that. I simply want to dig deeper and get better at copywriting. I want to be able to produce amazing copy, be it sales pages, emails, content, headlines, product offers. It doesn't matter. I firmly believe that learning to write well online is the best thing you can do for your business. And if you hate it, you have to find someone who can be on your team that loves it. It is more important than almost everything else you do. Yep, I'm going to go ahead and say that. Video, audio, any of it to promote it, to get it, to, to grab people's attention, you have to be able to write good headlines. Everything always stems back from that really solid foundation of being able to write well. And the reason I said find someone on your team, you're going to be better off finding somebody who maybe wants to work remotely. They don't want to start a business, but they'd like to be able to, to work remotely than just hiring out per projects. Because if you can find someone that understands the nuances of your business and your audience and your products and services, that's a better way to go, in my opinion, than hiring per project. Because then what happens is in between those projects, it's like crickets, right? And I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and I hope that we see a shift in this. Like there are a lot of big name marketers that you only hear from them when they're launching or when a friend of theirs is launching. I am unsubscribing faster than anything else because, and I'm not saying they need my business necessarily, but the point being, I'm just tired of only being sold to. 
you know, unless you're an e-commerce company, like I don't care. But if you're a, a brand that focuses on content and products in this market, then communicate consistently with me. Just saying. And that's my personal gauge now. All right. <clears throat> so anyways, let's get back to my point. Just because I'm taking these courses and holy moly, there is so much content in copy school. This is going to be like an ongoing process. I think there's over like 600 videos or something, you guys. What's nice is how it's organized and they're digestible videos. I went through right after I purchased, I went through the eight unskippable videos, which you do not get access to anything else unless you've gone through those eight unskippable videos, which I think is brilliant. And I was floored. But anyways, just because I've signed up for copy school, it doesn't mean I think I'm going to be able to get the results that Joanna Weave gets. I mean, this is dramatic. That's almost offensive, right? Like, well, I signed up for your course. Why don't, why don't, why aren't I as good as you? And I'm doing the work. How many years has she been at this? How many years has she been writing and producing and getting data and results and it just opens this massive, holy moly, you see why copywriters get paid so much, right? Good copywriters get results. And the amount of research and work that goes into things before they um, actually pull the trigger, right? It, I mean, it's, it's astonishing. I obviously don't have specific numbers on how much she's written, produced, or taught, but it is a hell of a lot. And nor do I think I'll get the same results as Dickie Bush or Nicholas Cole when I complete ship 30 for 30 in January, right? They have, I think Nicholas Cole, I read he had a great article on Medium and I'll see if I can link to it. And it talked about, you know, at 19, he was recovering from a drug addiction and at 30, he's a millionaire. And it's massive practice of the craft. Dickie Bush went all in. He did it quickly. And I want to say, don't quote me on this. I watched an interview with him recently that he, does he have his, day job still he might but massive massive action writing 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 right for a, a, a solid year to all of a sudden get to this point with the ship 30 for 30 and you might be thinking a year's not that long but daily action in a year is starts compounding right okay so before <laughs> i i go too much further i do want to say that I, the point with, with sharing those examples is that I purchased these courses to get better at what I'm doing, knowing it's not going to immediately impact my bottom line. I'm in this for the long haul. Every time I practice this and get better at it, I didn't start putting time and attention to, to email marketing really until 2016. I'd been doing this eight years and it there was all kinds of stuff in my head. I'm sure that prevented me from stepping into that. But now we're going into 2022, so it's almost seven years later, and I feel good about it because I, I practice it. <clears throat> anyway, um, will they impact my bottom line? 100%. When? I don't know, and that's fine because I actually love the work I'm doing also. But I did want to also clarify before we get into the three ways to dig deeper that my coaching client was not expecting immediate results, and nor was she expecting to pay the mortgage with sales from this weekend. She was, however, hopeful, and I know that feeling. I've been where she is plenty of times myself. The difference for me now is when I hit that place today, it doesn't hit me as hard. In fact, it's more of, yeah, it's a bummer, but I just don't give it a whole lot of thought beyond that because I know, like, I've been doing this long enough that I understand it's a process, and 
I'm able to look at it and dissect it a little bit. What I often do is I step back, I leave it alone, and I wait until I'm in a better mental place. And so just a side note, because I'm recording this uh, a few days after I started writing this podcast post, she's now had two sales. So this is a perfect example of allowing our minds to mess with us. It's kind of like taking a road trip. There's uh, some spiritual teachers I listen to, Abraham. I don't know if anybody else listens to that, but they tell this story and it's, is it Phoenix to Yuba? Anyways, but they talk about going from Arizona to San Diego and stopping when they get to Yuba and turning around because they're not in San Diego, right? So it's like, if you are planning a road trip halfway there, you're not going to get upset because you're not at your destination. You know, you've got the other half to go. And so this is what happens in marketing and in business in life is that it's like, we're never going to be at the final destination. I have finally accepted that with online business. You're never done. You are never done. And there's always more you can do. However, you have to be able to look at this. It's kind of like, you know, I put that off for Friday and I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's probably a more expensive offer than I've put out before to work with me one-on-one. And I'm like, Kim, this is not compelling. (laughs) Like you did a video and there's a few bullet points. Now, a similar offer, yes, that was priced less last year, had the scarcity, it had a full copy, but like, and I sold those very easily. So it's, for me, it's like, all right, go back to the drawing board. And quite frankly, I'm a little relieved because I leave for California in less than three weeks. I've got a lot to do then. And I've already got coaching clients I'm serving and my email insiders. I'm like, I don't know that I would have a whole lot of time. So it all works out in the end. It always does. All right. So next, we're going to dig into the three ways to dig deeper. This episode is brought to you by my F the Hustle newsletter, the newsletter for vision-led entrepreneurs ready to enjoy the journey, do good work, and grow a profitable business. It is time to ditch the hustle. Just go to kimdoyle.com forward slash F the hustle to sign up today. So, you know, when things don't go how we planned, instead of deciding to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, it's time to do a little entrepreneurial adulting and start looking at every piece of the puzzle. So the first things first is that you need to build your foundation. And I'm going to be talking a lot about the foundation. And I have pivoted my community launch to uh, more of a signature course. And it's going to be called The Foundation. If you were to go to the post for this, you will see that I have a diagram of the foundation. And this is simply the beginning of this. And I'm thinking of taking this diagram. Yeah, I did it with Excalidraw and making it a fill in the blank. All right. But so picture this. So at the top is your brand and business. Underneath that, there are three boxes and I'm going to go deeper. So, but I highly recommend if you want to see what I'm referring to, go directly to the post, but the three boxes underneath your brand and business, and these are on a horizontal line. They're not stacked. The first is a web property you own. The second is content, what you're creating, where you're publishing. And the third is traffic strategies. All of those lead to a box below that says offers, and that is your services and products, okay? So again, if you want to see this visual of the foundation, just go to the post. And I am going uh, deeper with the visual piece, but that's going to be coming subsequently. But I want to talk about a few of these options, right? So um, the first, 
your brand and business are at the top, right? Below that, the fundamentals, like I just mentioned, and I'm calling these the fundamentals. Again, web property you own, content, what and where you're publishing. Third is traffic strategies. So some of the basics under each of those. So a web property you own. Now, before I get into this, um, I want to clarify too that there is with, as we head towards web 3.0, it's fascinating to me that a lot of people are just simply starting to publish on Substack or on Twitter and all these other places to build an audience. Now, I, I think that's brilliant. Go where the people are, get name and email list, right? However, I do think it is imperative if you're in this for the long haul, which I don't think you guys would be here if you weren't. Um, you need a web property you own. End of story, period. I, I think we're, I don't know, and maybe this is younger people are going to be like, nah, you know, but I think if we've seen anything um, over the last, I don't know, how long, couple months with, you know, Facebook changing to meta, people are leaving Facebook in droves. It's fascinating. I haven't made a decision one way or the other. I do know I'm spending way less time there, but you need something that you own that is not reliant on a platform you have no control over, i.e. frustration, remember? All right. So some of the basics and fundamentals of each of these, <coughs> excuse me. So the web property you own, and side note, I'm also saying that it does not have to be a WordPress site. As much as I love WordPress, self-hosted WordPress, I think there are too many options now to publish a website. Most of them all do the same thing where Obviously, you want to make sure it's with a reliable company like Wix and Squarespace. I don't think they're going anywhere. If those work better for you, use them. Um, I, I see a lot of people leaving WordPress because other things are becoming easier for them. They all offer content, publishing, SEO, all of that. So wherever you publish, here's a few of the basic things you want to make sure that you have your site SEO optimized. And that in and of itself is a full episode, right? But we're talking making sure analytics, sitemap, all that kind of stuff is built in. You're hooked up to Google, et cetera, et cetera. I am not an SEO expert. Um, I am personally working diligently on my own because of the pivot towards email marketing and newsletters. And so I want to make sure that I'm doing the keyword research and creating that sitemap structure. You want to make sure that your site is fast and it's responsive and it, it's great on all devices, all of those things. Probably Q1 of 2022, I'm going to hire someone to take care of that for me. I've moved, I've, you guys, my site, it was the original, the WordPress chick site. And then when I pivoted to my personal brand, there's just a lot in there. And this is nothing I want to spend my time on, but I don't, I do know that site load time speed is extremely important. Um, you want to have a quality site that is easy for your visitors to navigate. And so when I talk about a quality site, you know, when it comes to copy and sales pages, you can go simple with text. I really believe that it works. And <clears throat> the only way to test which works better for your audience is to test and to test both, right? But personally, I'm one of those people that if I get to a site and I'm not digging the way it looks, I bounce. And I'm just like, eh, this looks dated or whatever. And I'm not saying you have to go spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Do the best you can with where you're at. So the last piece of the web property you own is you need to make sure that you have very clear messaging, what you do and who you help. And so I see this often. And I think I, I, I think I know I did this for a long time until I started putting time and energy into writing and copy and messaging. 
you know, but you'll land on a uh, site and it says, we do this, right? And we do this for these people. That isn't compelling. That's not messaging necessarily. And that sounded harsh. (laughs) I'm so afraid of offending anybody. Um, Not totally, but a little bit. It needs to be about your visitor. What is the problem you solve for them? And like, if you go to my site, I've got F the hustle on there. And so it's kind of like, okay, that's cool. It's fun, but it's still not clear. So I am changing. I've got a new lead magnet and the newsletter is going to be out there all the time. But the new lead magnet is an email course specific to email marketing. I'm on a mission to get people over their fear of email marketing and to understand that they're creating an asset and a relationship. And so anyways... So I'm redoing that, but it, your site has to be really clear when somebody lands on there. You don't want someone going, okay, you, you do what, what, what you website? Who do you, you know what I'm saying? Like there is that pause. It should be crystal clear. And this is where clear is definitely better than clever. You can always get more clever, but be clear. All right. Next up again is content. And I, you know, talked about being in this for the long game and Honestly, I, I think that the only place, um, I don't say the only place, content's only going to help you, period, end of story. If you are an e-commerce brand only, then maybe not. There's other traffic strategies. There's so many traffic strategies, but you know, content, it works. End of story. You need to create it consistently. Even if that's once a month, you guys, is it going to take you longer if you're only publishing once a month? Yes. But keep at it until you can produce more. It needs to be based on a strategy. This is why we created the Content Creators Planner, is that we want people to start thinking of content from the end goal. What is it I'm selling? How do I get people engaged in my content? What is content I can create to support that? What is my initial goal? My initial goal is to get people registered for a webinar, to get them on my list, to get them to purchase a product. And then you map it out from there, right? I kind of backwards engineered that the first time. Excuse me, but create a strategy. And and don't get me wrong, there are plenty of times when this podcast episode was inspired by something. It was inspired by somebody I'm working with. And to me, I've shared with you guys, I have core content values. My core content value is that I want people to feel better for having engaged with my content. That means they're entertained, they're learning something, or it's resonating at a soul level. Hopefully this is sort of doing the soul level and the learning something. All right. From there, from the place of having created your consistent content, you have to promote it. Pick the platforms and methodology that work for you and stick with it. I I am going to have Karen on the podcast. We're going to talk social media because it kind of makes me a little nutty. Um, like you guys, if I could just write, record and create all day long, I'd be happy. I mean, I love working with clients and students, but like social, eh. Not, not my first love. However, you know, Karen had said, and I, I don't know if I shared this last time, but pick two platforms. She's like, two is plenty, two is plenty, but you have to stick with it to get the results. You guys, you have to stick with it long-term and start looking at the data. If you start something only when you're about ready to promote or launch, then you disappear. You're going to get stuck in a cycle of little bit of growth little bit of growth instead of consistent growth, compounding growth, consistent growth, compounding growth, right? Do you like how my voice raised there? And then you want to make sure that you have a call to action anywhere you produce content on your site and make sure to also include direct calls to action on social as well to get people on your list. So I know as an example, you know, as I'm getting 
uh, back into Twitter a little bit more that, I mean, you can't just promote yourself on any platform. You need to share relevant, engaging content that's conversation starters, but you want to make sure that people who then go to search your profile find a very easy way to connect and engage with you and get on your list. I think the last episode about it's never too late for email marketing sort of uh, summed up my stance on email marketing. Okay. And so the next thing is traffic strategies. And unfortunately, this tends to get ignored too often. And it's probably the most important. Nothing you create or sell is going to do anything without traffic. So you have to create a solid traffic strategy. And you also need to then give it the time to grow. And no, this doesn't mean you have to jump into paid traffic right away. When you're ready, paid traffic will get you there exponentially faster. It just does. We're at this point where there's so much content and there's so much being published online. I do think the garbage just keeps filtering to the bottom, which is good. It takes a lot more effort to create quality content with, you know, keywords and links and all that kind of stuff. But um, paid traffic is absolutely worth investing in. But my suggestion would be that you get something converting organically first. And then you know it has a better chance of converting when you put money behind it. And I will tell you this, there are a lot of ways to put money behind paid traffic that are not Facebook ads. So we all know Facebook and Instagram ads have gone up in cost. You know, we've got all these iOS privacy updates. All of these different things are happening. But the thing is, paid traffic takes testing. So you have to be willing to invest to say, oh, this is working, this isn't. Right audience, wrong message, wrong headline, wrong image. There's so much to it. But outside of that, I've never advertised, I think I did try actually once Twitter ads. I've never done Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest. Um, I did Google pay-per-click years ago, but it wasn't for my brand or anything. So you've got all those big, right? Those those big um, platforms. Then there's stuff, newsletters. Don't forget about newsletters, you guys. I'm telling you, these are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm going to start advertising in newsletters for my opt-in offers. And then I will also look at where can I do a swap with somebody who has a list that is of value to my audience. I'll share their newsletter in my list. There's so many other ways. So newsletters are a huge piece. And I I do see we're going to continue to drive that, especially since it's tactical and tangible. Tactical. Tangible, meaning you can measure how many clicks did you get? How many signups did you get from that that link? Everything is trackable. I almost said traceable. Trackable, I guess it's the same thing. But so that's one piece. There's also something called solo ads. A lot of people haven't heard this. Solo ads are you go to a site like Udemy, and this is not Udemy, the education site. It's U-D-I-M-I. You can go in, find somebody with your target audience, say, I want to pay for 300 clicks literally, and you'll pay, there's a usually like 49 cents a click, whatever. And they have ratings on how well, how responsive their list is. People leave reviews and stuff. So it's kind of like buying an email drop. There are places you can go find an email drop. I know my friend Trey, who is in e-commerce, this was a big one for him. Find somebody who has your audience. How much will it cost for you to do a broadcast email specifically about our product or service or whatever? You guys, there's so many ways. And then, of course, good old-fashioned, which we seem to have forgotten this, is sort of joint ventures. Outside of the newsletter space, 
you know, find people that you can say, can I email your lead magnet? Can you email mine? Go back to this sort of guerrilla marketing, knocking on doors, asking people, you know, would you be willing to do this? I'm willing to do this. So there's a lot there that can be done organically. Here's the kicker. It's work. It is work. And that's why most people won't do it. And I'm not saying I've done all these strategies, you guys, but I'm on a commitment. My priority for 2022 is less growth, more writing, more email, more conversions from a quality list that I have built a relationship with and provide value. Here's the kicker. You have to ask yourself, how many times have I said that? Here's the kicker. I don't know why that's on my brain today. Get really honest with yourself about what you're doing. Is there something you are doing to consistently drive traffic to your site and opt-in offer? Don't bank on Facebook groups. I don't care how big your group is. People are not getting, the algorithms are not working the same way. How many people are actually seeing when you even post in your group? So you have to remember, they tend to become um, like small places for fans. But, you know, I told you guys, I'm going to give content creators six more months of me putting time and effort into it, doing a little bit of a reboot. And then after that, if I'm not driving leads and sales out of that group, it's I'm not going to keep it going. Plain and simple. Okay. So those are the three fundamentals. That was all under the Build Your Foundation. Okay, guys. Next is to look at your skill set. If what you're offering isn't resonating with your audience, you need to, you, you need to, I think probably, but you really need to focus on getting better at marketing. Okay. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but this is the work. It takes practice and commitment to get better at what you're doing. And I'm not talking about, so let me hear, I'm, I don't know why this popped into my head. So let's say you have a business where you teach people to knit, okay? Which there are plenty of knitting businesses online, schools of knitting that make great incomes. So there is a market and a niche for everybody. Because a lot of people might be thinking, I don't want to be a marketer. I want to do what I do best, which is not marketing, you know, insert your zone of genius. I, I want to knit. I want to teach people how to knit. I don't want to market. Here's the deal. Suck it up, buttercup. This is called bootstrapping. If you don't have the funds to hire people right off the bat, then you're going to have to learn, study, and practice marketing. There are not, there are not any shortcuts. What you can do, though, is pick one thing to start with and get better at, right? So, you know, maybe that is you're going to get better at headlines. Just practice headlines. You're going to get better at sales copy. You're going to get better at outreach, cold outreach, whatever it is. You know, there's just, there are no shortcuts, you guys. Buy a book, go to YouTube, find accountability partners, whatever works best for you. Then you do it. You know, like the coaching client that I was mentioning at the beginning of this episode, she is doing the work, you guys. She's making the commitment. We have weekly coaching calls. She is working her ass off. It's going to start paying off. And it's hard. This is when you have to have faith, right? And you keep looking at things. But whatever you're going to do, you just need to do it. Like I always think back to, you guys, we live in an amazing time. Can you imagine starting a business teaching something without the internet? Talk about a lot more work. You're talking flyers and local community meetings and having to rent space. Like stop to think about how businesses were started before we had the web. And then tell yourself, really, should I be whinging about this? Should I? <laughs> you know? And like, it's it's just going to take time. 
I, I don't know why. I think there's probably this idea of overnight riches. And are there some people that have done it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever heard the story. Uh, John Reese, yeah, was the first person to do a million dollars in 24 hours. Um, but he didn't just decide to make a product and do it. He worked his ass off to get to that point where he had the list, he had the product, he had been playing. And this was way before I don't, social may have existed, but not. I don't think there was paid ads or any of that stuff, you guys. So we have a lot at our fingertips and disposal. Is a competition greater? Absolutely. But the nice thing about better competition is that it's, it makes the quality better, right? So again, don't, don't spend so much time and energy beating yourself up or stressing over what isn't working. Why aren't people buying? All of marketing is a numbers game. The more you do something, the better you get. The more offers you put out, the more likely you are to sell something. You guys, this is nuts. I'm going to share this with you. So on my um, mastermind call with, I have a group of women that we are, we do a newsletter mastermind call. And one of them who is coached with me, she's done one-off sessions. She's an email insider student. And I'm so grateful that she did this. She's like, you know, you have so many things that you could be selling. Why aren't you doing it? And I was like, I know you're right. You're right. And so you guys, it was nuts. I went and I made a list of all of the existing products and things that I have, some that I won't put out simply because it's I'm shifting from, you know, anything with content, content marketing is done through the planner. My focus with Kim Doyle really is email, newsletters, list growth, all of that. So I was like, oh my gosh, look at all that. <laughs> look at this. It was nuts, you guys. It was nuts. And I was so grateful that she said, here's a question for you, right? So really get honest with yourself. And so for me, that's what I had to do. And you know, the more you promote yourself, the more subscribers you'll get and the more offers you can send. Once you've done things a lot and you have plenty of data, then you realize that more isn't always going to be the answer. It's going to be about doing better, doing better work, creating better systems, creating better funnels, processes, whatever it is, right? So you have to do more until you can do better. And then, hey, if you if you are in a position, like I look at, and I know a lot of people are not a huge Russell Brunson fan. I think he's brilliant. I think he's a brilliant marketer. I think he's a good human being. I mean, I don't know everything about him or whatever, but I feel like he's always trying to better himself. He can do more and better because he's got the money to pay for the more. You know, he's not the one sitting and repurposing his content. That's all done for him, you know, but do the best you can where you're at, but know that the more you do, the better you will get, which will probably lead to being able to do less. Hopefully that makes sense. Alrighty. The last and probably the most important thing to do. These are, now remember, we're talking about three things to dig deep. So I just want to do a quick iteration of the first two. The first one is to make sure you have built your foundation. The second is to look at your skill set. And the third is to manage your mind. You guys, I am such a firm believer in learning to manage your mind. I, I spent the last four days in my head and very aware that I was like, Kim, don't do this. Kim, don't do this. You know, and really, especially when it comes to my mom, that I can I can take myself down to my knees 
and want to just curl up in a ball and not exist when I think about it. Literally, that sounds dramatic, you guys, but that's what I can do to myself. And then I can choose to flip that and say, I grieve so deeply because I love so deeply and I was so blessed and so, ah, my mom was amazing. And so holding on to the tears here, I had to make a real conscious decision to let myself feel the feelings, but not make it harder. That makes sense. So you guys, this has made the biggest difference and is making the biggest difference in my business and my life. And I am someone who is always reading, listening, learning about becoming the best version of myself. And it's just going to be a lifelong process. And I'm totally fine with that. But I did do an entire podcast episode on managing your thoughts. It is the best thing you can do. So if you haven't listened to that, go back. But today, starting today, you can choose to look at everything you experience and go through in your business as simply part of the process. You are going to have challenges. You're going to have obstacles. You're going to have wins. You're going to have losses. It is never a straight line. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that right now. And if you look back, just take a minute and, and do a little Googling if you want. Look at what Steve Jobs went through, you guys. Honestly, look at what, I mean, he lost Apple. He lost Apple at one point. And I'm not saying you have to be like Steve Jobs. But the point is, no success is a straight line. Look at Walt Disney. Another, like, does it ever, like, I think about this, bear with me. It's because I'm getting excited. I'm going to Disneyland in California <laughs> with my best friend when I get there. So, but when you think about the fact that how many times he lost a job in, in animation and all of those things, and again, look back at what it was like when he started drawing Mortimer the Mouse, i.e. Mickey Mouse, that journey is astounding. And then to come up with the idea, to come up with the idea for Disneyland to find investors to believe in this big dream, you buy up land. I I mean, like, it's nuts when I think about what went into creating Disneyland, which has become the Disney Corporation, love it or hate it or whatever. And now we've got Marvel under that umbrella. You've got all these things like, I don't know. This is where my brain goes, but sometimes I'm like, God, what would, what would he, Walt think if he saw what had been created? And obviously he did see it. That's why it exists, right? To the degree that it's blown up. I don't know, but either way, you know, it's, it's just, it is never a straight line. It's how you choose to handle everything that comes up that makes the biggest difference. So when you find yourself going sideways or defaulting to old thoughts and behaviors, Make a conscious decision to not feed those thoughts. Feel the feelings, but don't assign any meaning or allow yourself the time and space and, excuse me, allow yourself the time and space you need to get back on track, which is exactly what I did this weekend. I could have rallied rallied and done a bunch of stuff. We have a a new kind of mini course for the content creators planner. It's called the content promotion code. I had done a live workshop. I've converted it to a five module course like done. And I was like, I don't have it in me to, to create an email sequence to write. I just didn't have it in me and that's okay. It's not going to make or break anything. So when you allow yourself those feelings, you'll do less storytelling and you have to make that conscious decision. Also, when I'm talking about storytelling is 
when you're feeling bad and you start looking for evidence of the bullshit you tell yourself, meaning you start looking for, oh, well, this is the 10th time I've tried and it didn't work, or I never succeeded anything, or or here we go again, or I've wasted money, whatever it is. Just let yourself feel it. Don't tell yourself stories. And I promise you, you're going to get through it a lot faster. Whatever it is you're feeling, you will not stay in that space. I promise you guys. Make this part, this work of managing your thoughts, this really needs to be part of your daily life. You guys, I was still feeling a little bit off last night. And I went to bed and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get a good night's sleep. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to do a little gratitude rampage, which is a an exercise my therapist gave me where literally out loud for two minutes straight, I just had to everything I was grateful for. And I mean, I started going sideways with stuff like, oh, I'm grateful for my Yeti coffee mug. I'm great. Like, like you start looking around, but inevitably you feel a hundred times better. So I went to bed with the intention that that's how I'm going to start my day. And I did. And here I am feeling fantastic. You know, so just remind yourself that you chose to become an entrepreneur. This is part of the journey. None of this is about pushing yourself, meaning it doesn't mean you work 24-7. That's not what I'm talking about. But maybe you start expecting more from yourself that I'm going to do the hard work. When I decided to do email marketing and really put time and attention, I'm like, I'm doing this for me. That's it. I commit to doing this daily email, this almost daily email. I'm committing to do this so that I can show myself I am somebody who gets up and follows through with my word. It was totally for myself. Really, you guys, none of this is about, you know, 24-7. Be easy about what you want and start to approach it more methodically. Your feelings are just feelings. One thing that I thought was interesting is I, I was reading an article about doing more, right? Where I was talking about more content, more content. Well, oftentimes when things aren't working, people always go to the more. And I was talking about becoming a master of your craft, right? And mastery is an ongoing process. It doesn't mean you're done. But when you focus on the mastery of the things you need to do, more is going to help you get there. Writing more frequently. That doesn't mean that you say, okay, well, I'm writing once a day, every day. I better write five times a day. That's not what I'm talking about. You have to look at your approach as well. You have to say, okay, well, every time I push myself, I end up resentful. I end up exhausted and it doesn't work. I'm a big believer in that also, that the energy and feelings I bring to any project have a big impact. So I also know that I can't create from, from a place of frustration and disappointment right? So remember that your feelings are just feelings. But also look at, okay, well, deciding that I'm going to go from zero to 60 in two days, meaning I don't write at all. And so I'm going to start writing every single day. You're setting yourself up for failure. And I'm not saying, you know, not to have lofty goals, but, but again, entrepreneurial adulting, say to yourself, okay, I'm not writing at all. I can commit to writing twice a month, maybe. Do you know what I'm saying? Like be I don't want to say be realistic, but set yourself up for wins. All right. But remember, your feelings are not an indicator of your value or what you're creating. And here's another kicker for you. Once you have dug deeper, right, you're probably going to end up cycling back around every single time you level up. So look at everything I'm doing. I'm like, all right, digging into copy now, right? I'm, I'm digging in more. I got copy school. I'm going to do the ship 30 for 30. Guess what? 
in six months, I can probably go back and do ship 30 for 30 again and see if I can level up. And how can I go deeper? And how can I create better content with what I've been doing? Whatever it is, you guys. You know, so this is a process. And again, to quote my therapist, you know, so many of these things are processes, not events. Um, So don't forget to enjoy the process. Be gentle with yourself. But it's okay to also expect more from yourself. That makes sense. You guys, I believe in you. I love you tons. Thank you as always for listening. And please share the podcast. It is new F the Hustle with Kim Doyle, a little bit of rebranding here. And I am super excited about, I'm just excited about 2022. I hope you guys are feeling that too. I'm excited to go get my jingle bells on, um, head back for a little cooler weather, some Christmas cheer with, with friends and family. Um, but I'll have a couple more episodes before the end of the year. So until next time, guys, thanks as always for listening.